This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Video Junkyard Podcast. You have found episode at number 118. I can't believe every time we announce a number, it just, uh, holy we're getting up there. <laughs> With me as always, my good friend and co-host, uh, Joe Peterson. How's it going, Joe? Well, um, I'm getting up there too. I think we all are. The episodes <laughs> yeah. are getting up there. I'm getting up there. We all are. Jesus. Oh, we just spent yeah. 45 minutes talking about all sorts of things, you know, movies from our youth and, and, uh, you know, pandemic horror films, Halloween, you know, the whole deal. All, all that stuff, yeah, and how things were better the old ways. Oh, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, otherwise, doing all right, doing all right, trying to, um, you know, what's really been fun about this whole pandemic thing, uh, and I mean that entirely facetiously, is, <laughs> is knowing the importance of routines for good, like, you know, keeping positive and mental health like get into a good routine but it's impossible to get into routine because the world keeps like slapping you whenever you try to yep and i don't mean me personally necessarily i mean i know that's collective yeah yeah i I feel lucky like we dodge a lot of those bullets but every once in a while there's you know one something just uh cracks you on the head but yeah luckily because our kids aren't school age yet uh, we didn't have to deal with all of that. I know we talked a little bit about that last week, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's um, it's 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 a no challenge. Fun. <laughs> no, it's, it is. And then you know we're also you know as we were mentioning a little bit earlier too, like the it's starting to get chilly out. Like two days ago it was in the seventies, and today it was like fifties, rainy yeah. and colder. And um, I just keep thinking about oh gosh, it's going to be winter, and uh, all of our outdoor activities that have kept us busy all summer are going to freeze up and go away. I mean, not like you can't go outside in the winter, but can't spend your whole day outside anymore. It's not. I, I still am like I'm determined to do something in the backyard this winter where it's a usable space. I don't care if I build a giant igloo that we just <laughs> hang out in because you know you can have a fire in some of those as long as the top's yeah. open. Right. You know, or having like a big snow fire pit or some shit like that just to get out of the house. We also did find some trails not far from here. Um, not like they were a secret. We just never looked before for things like cross country skiing. Oh, nice! Yeah, um, which would be a thing you could take the you know could take the kids to, and you're getting a lot of exercise outside, getting fresh air. So yeah, it'd be cool to look into that. We do a lot of hiking. We go every weekend and go hiking recently, and should look into doing some some of that this winter. Same trails too, in that. most cases. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we we've been talking about doing some of that kind of stuff. Like we've we've been talking about it for a few years, but I think we're both on board. Like we have to this year because we. Have we been cooped up inside? Everybody's going insane. The kids are getting darker. <laughs> it's about darker to turn into the shining attitudes. in everybody's house. No, it's, that's pretty. Yeah, but I think it's a competition it, but... on who's first, though. <laughs> yeah, like who yeah, becomes Jack Torrance first? I think we're all competing <laughs> for that. Yeah. Um, and Lisa's winning. 
my 10 year old daughter's winning so yeah one of those one of you is going to be the axe murderer the other one's going to be one that forgets to dump the boiler and blows up the house and you know i guess it depends which version yeah yeah Yeah. if we're going literary (laughs) spoilers um but (laughs) oh come on if anyone's not seen the shining it's like (laughs) or i mean yeah reddit or or that yeah um but no i think yeah it's it's going to be real important to to get out there this winter and if you can i mean of course if it's going to be the winter they're calling for where it's going to be like freezing cold or shit tons of snow then it, it yeah. there's no choice you just that's when i figure out a way to truck in like a few tons of sand into the basement we just turn it into a fake beach because <laughs> yeah. that madness will eventually happen and... <laughs> yeah we're gonna have a tiki there bar it's your sauna and sand yeah and sand and you know. sauna and just gonna <laughs> ride out the end of the year like that so yeah, I just blended pre pre recording conversation with reco- recorded conversation, which we often do, and we, we won't explain. Do, yeah. It doesn't matter. So, anyway, <laughs> what did we so, watch? What did we watch for tonight? Yeah, we um, I don't know if we actually announced this last week, but for the for the month of October, starting last week with Lair of the White Worm, we've decided we are going to, and we we often do watch horror films on this podcast. Mm-hmm. But we are going to exclusively watch horror films for the to kind of have our little Halloween celebration throughout the month of October. So this will be actually our second in that series. And tonight we are watching the 1977 Nazi zombie film Shockwaves. Something unknown, something unforeseen, something unspeakable lives below. And it lives to destroy. <coughs> they have risen. We created the perfect soldier from cheap hoodlums and thugs in a good number of pathological murderers and sadists as well. We call them the Toten Corps, the Death Corps, creatures more horrible than any you can imagine. From beyond the dead, from beneath the living, from the depths of hell's ocean, everything they touch will die in the deep. Shockwaves. Give me the flashlight. We'll be left with nothing but that oil lamp. You don't need it. I need all the help I can get out there. Now let me have it. The Masters of Shock, John Carradine and Peter Cushing. You are indeed very stupid. Now it is too late. Now the total horror has begun. Now there is no way out. And this one was written and directed by Ken Wiederhorn, who, believe it or not, if you've seen Shockwaves, is an Academy Award-winning director for a student film that he directed prior to Shockwaves and actually kind of used that success to get this thing greenlit, Um, which is especially interesting. If you you haven't seen Shockwaves, jump on Tubi and check it out Um, and then rejoin us because that really this film does not feel like something made by an Academy Award winner, I'll have to say. It does not. (laughs) It does not. Um, so let me I get you a real. Oh yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say. Hey, hey, so this is a. I know this was a first viewing for me. Um, 
and this was one that you suggested uh, to mm-hmm. the podcast, but um, is this one that this you had seen before, had been wanting to see, or was this a it's random? It's a wanting to see. It okay. was semi-random, but um, one that I had been wanting to see, as in I've seen, I don't know if it's the artwork or the poster, that kind of image of that, you know, kind of rotten face with the sunglasses type things that they're all wearing, the the poster. The frogmen, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're very, it, that's a very familiar poster to me for some reason, but... Really, I think it came off of just seeing some of the buzz around the new Blu-ray release that this thing's getting. And it either came out just recently or is coming out in weeks to come. Um, but yeah, I saw it was free on Tubi and was like, hey, you know, I'll jump on there instead of dumping a bunch of money into a Blu-ray of a movie I've never seen. Um, check it out there on Tubi and uh, kind of fit into our you know horror motif and uh it's it's certainly considered to be a cult classic i i think we're going to talk about it but i think that I, I, the reason for that i really believe is strongly that it's in this kind of nazi zombie subgenre that has kind of developed oh yeah <laughs> and, yeah. yeah i mean and it, it's an early example of that but it's the as far as i know it's the earliest example there are earlier films, really? and actually, Ken Wiederhorn was influenced by those, and they're by earlier. They're like a lot earlier. Like we're um, Revenge of the Zombies and the Frozen Dead are both movies from the 1940s, so we're talking just post World War II, and one of them might have even been during while it was still going on. I'd have to look up, but anyway, maybe they're early 50s. I and should we, have these dates. We should but... point out too that when we say zombies in this case, we're actually talking more like classical zombies which is in the sense like reanimated corpse not necessarily brains flesh-eating ghouls like romero zombies which is now synonymous with zombie but before it was just more mind control and in this one these i I mean they're they're dead but they're it's mind control too yeah and i think weirhorn was very influenced by those those films revenge of the zombies frozen dead but also like white zombie has a lot of the mm-hmm. bella lugosi universal pictures movie um so those kind of classic zombie movies where we're talking about you know um voodoo zombies mind control zombies um the quote-unquote zombies in shockwaves are you know have capabilities they're not brainless staggering brain-eating post romero ghouls so mm-hmm. um let me just super quick synopsis for this one if you're not familiar um the film is about a group of tourists who encounter aquatic nazi zombies when they become shipwrecked uh stars peter cushing as a former ss commander brooke adams as a tourist and john carradine as the captain of the tourist boat uh, another short synopsis says an old nazi sunken battalion rises from the sea as a death corps of begoggled zombies so between those two you kind of get the gist of the film um so yeah they like as it mentioned not only is it influenced by and has a very like classical style uh to the monsters i think the film has fuck kind of follows a classical style but also has two of the silver screens um biggest horror stars in their later years john yep. carradine and peter cushing which uh who both play ultimately a little bit cameo-esque disappointing (laughs) small Mm -hmm. roles in this but uh they're there and they you know they they're it's it's fun to see them there was a scene in this one that really uh stood out for me and it's when all of the tourist characters are frantically running through a soggy jungle do you remember (laughs) that scene 
Yeah, that scene sounds familiar. That scene is like 80% of the goddamn movie. (laughs) Oh, the second act of the movie is entirely running through the jungle. Um, And occasionally one of these... the CCR song. Yeah, one um, of these goggled zombies comes out of the water and slowly works its way towards them, and so they run in the other direction for five minutes, and then another one comes out, and then they run. (laughs) It just kind of keeps going over and over. I wrote down a note that it's surprisingly missing the actual zombies. Like, it shows them at the beginning of the chase... And then it's just like these people running and running and running. And then maybe you see like a glimpse of one and then they run for five more minutes. It's like you could have spliced in a couple more shots of these things to remind the viewer that there's a threat. Right. But yeah, anyway, that's uh, there are there are a couple of shots I liked. Um, There's a a couple things in here that I really like. But yeah, sorry. There's a scene when they're the the SS battleship essentially mm-hmm. starts to rise um you know all the degassing and the bubbling and stuff was a, was a cool effect and then when you actually see this essential like rotting ghost ship surfaced yeah it's a really cool shot it's really that was a really very creepy eerie. ominous scene yeah i was i was convinced that they well they really nailed like the kind of classic horror movie creepy thing there mm-hmm. and I was convinced, like, of like, ooh, this is going to really be good, and unfortunately they kind of... They got back to it in the third act. It's just that second act. There's nothing going on besides people yelling at each other and splashing around in the water. It was just like the second act of Swamp Thing. So... Yeah, and <laughs> the, the... The tourists, for the most part, are entirely forgettable. Yeah. Um, even, even Brooke Adams, who we have seen in um invasion of the body snatchers yeah um and i think we both commented on how good she is in that movie mm-hmm. she's in almost entirely not memorable here um the one thing i do remember about her character even though she's like the final girl of this movie is that she has a totally pointless scene where she decides to go swimming of all things in this um i guess let's yeah. back up one second and these people are tourists on a small charter boat captained by kind of an old drunken captain played really really well by john carradine he's great in a short period of time yeah. he's in this film um and he uh they eventually uh what they run a, run into this literally collide with mm-hmm. a um kind of a ghost ship ghost ship yeah and uh or just it a, causes a reanimated boat <laughs> it like rises yeah, and it causes them to then, you know, the, the breach the hull of their ship and it starts to go down, so they have to jump, you know, abandoned ship to this island that's nearby, and they find an old abandoned kind of resort where an old, where an SS captain is hiding out um, because, as we find out, his unit of Nazi super soldiers that, um, SS unit of Nazi super soldiers is living in the wreck, you know, of the ship underwater. And, you know, I don't, I don't even recall what it is. Maybe it's that they collided with him, but what causes them to become active again? Um, I think it is that the, you know, they kind of wreck the boat or, you know, come across the, the, the wreck, but, um, yeah, anyway, that, that's the gist of it, is they're Nazi super soldiers. They're not, they're not literally even really zombies. They are people that were genetically altered to not die in some way. The death and they corpse. literally just go on and on and on, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was their, their death corpse, and 
Yeah, they were super strong. And the movie opens up with this kind of fake history thing about one regiment of Nazis in World War II that would fight without weapons and were the only ones that, you know, never lost a member. And, but, you know, they were, they were really kind of weird. And you get the impression that that's this secret group. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I guess is really appropriate because once you do see them in this movie, you barely see them again. Yeah. So. And they, you know, obviously are all in, in uniform, but they wear these kind of like froggy looking goggles on their face. And apparently, we're not given a whole lot of exposition on this, but apparently if you take those goggles off, the sunlight or light can can kill them. Um, causes them to rapidly age and you know, die. But Yeah. For some reason. Yeah, for some reason, not ever explained by anyone. So uh, Cushing has like one scene of um, like exposition where he explains this, but it, it's brief, and that's that's all we get. <laughs> like, so I mean, I, I don't necessarily like hold that against this movie, just kind of movie it is. There's you know other things that make it not work. That really isn't my biggest complaint, but uh-huh. it's fine. So, um. So the style of the film we mentioned earlier, I think, is like very, you know, like classical going, even harking back to those old like universal monster movies. Um, did you get kind of those vibes out of it? I know you're talking about that first scene, but really the fact that it's uh, not violent and it's not it's it's going for like this like atmospheric horror that it doesn't always get. But every once in a while it gets really well. Um, did you have any, any moments or favorite moments or things that you think reminded it, you of classic horror movies or am I totally it, off? On... It, personally <laughs> for me, I didn't get a classic horror feeling, but I, uh, it could be, you know, I didn't personally get it. I, I'm not saying that's not there. Um, I think what struck me more is this felt like a Roger Corman movie that never really takes off. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, to me, it felt more like early Corman, um, yeah, in many that. ways, except not as, some of our early Corman stuff is a bit, dare I say, whimsical. Um, yeah. Little Shop of Horrors, for example. Uh, this isn't like that, so it's more like his 70s stuff. Um, yeah. But it just That's one never really thing gets this movie there. totally lacks is a sense of humor, which could have helped it. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, it, it, the, there wasn't really much for music in this either, and nope. that nope. could have helped it, I think. And uh, what there was was a weird kind of like, Reminds you of kind of like Euro horror movies, like a synth score, but it's really repetitive and only at certain times. Only at certain times, yeah. Yeah, there's no there's no music to set a tone. So the whole time you're you're, you know, pun here. The whole time you're sailing through this film, um, <laughs> you know, you're you're kind of like that scene where she goes swimming. I'm like, is this supposed to be funny? Is this what what is this yeah. even? What is that character thinking besides like the director? You know. We have to get a scene where where we get Brooke Adams close to nude, although it's a, don't worry, it's a PG rated film, so we can't go all the way with it. We, uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, th- it, honestly, that that's to me that's the only purpose that scene serves. There is no logic why a character stuck in this situation would ever think to do that. Yeah, like, why would you go swimming? You're stuck on. You just survived a you know, kind of stressful situation, a traumatic situation of a boat going down. You've escaped to this weird island. There's this weird old man. Um, everybody thinks that they're, you know, seeing things in this wreck. And um, 
or I guess it's just the one old crazy guy that saw it at first, but still, you're in this situation. Why in the world would you put on your bikini and go for a swim? Like, why? how would that be your... Like, I don't know. I suppose you could say, like, that's the... If you really wanted to dive in deep and make excuses, you could say that's the way the character's dealing with the situation, trying to... But yeah. uh, it's, it's a stretch. It's it's a re- really out-of-place scene. Like, why the hell is she swimming? Like, I'd be, I would be staying the fuck out of the water, right? Oh, absolutely. Well, and you know that you mentioned like, are there any scenes that really stood out? The the scene where there's, I guess it's a swimming pool and like an indoor pool, mm-hmm. towards the end, um, where the guy's kind of surrounded, and they keep popping up out of the water, or walking, you know, they're walking around the pool and stuff like that, and he's he's trying to climb up the ladder and he can't, and you know, like he's thrown back in, because these zomb- the Nazi aquatic zombies have super strength, naturally. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Um, so yeah, that I thought was like that was a a, a nice kind of suspenseful scene because you really are in a position like shit. I don't know what I'd do. You know, <laughs> yeah. like there's nowhere to go. So I thought that was you know that was one that caught my attention. Um, but yeah, yeah, I actually enjoyed like kind of the third act of uh, of the movie. It really only lost me in the second act, and I know exactly what you're talking about the the chase that just never ended, and. I really feel like that's a script problem. They just didn't have a second act of the story. And so they just shot a bunch of... And like we talked about, I, I already made the comparison once, but like we talked about with the Swamp Thing review, like daytime horror and running around in the swamp just doesn't really do... doesn't really sell very well. <laughs> and the same thing happened here when you saw the you know, makeup and costumes in the daytime. It just wasn't scary. It was really creepy at night when you first see them, and like later on they become kind of creepy again, but it's been ruined by the... you know all daytime photography of the second act of them running through the swamp and anyway when they get to the third act and these people kind of hole up back in the hotel and lock themselves in this refrigerator unit that they can't uh it kind of becomes you know your typical zombie movie in a way with you know they're trapped in a situation they're under siege from the outside and all of a sudden it it, it finds its tracks again and it's it becomes at least interesting if not good but yeah, the the second act is tough. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, I think I, I enjoyed the scene, um, and there aren't really any zombies in it, but just kind of the threat for like the the refrigerator scene and the guys. Uh, one of the guys that is a survivor at the point has you know obviously terrible claustrophobia and is having a freak out inside of the. Um, I mean, honestly, I think I thought they were just gonna shoot him, but <laughs> he he had he had the uh, um. Yeah, and it was it was a nice build up of there was some suspense and it pretty much worked and then, you know, the way that, you know, it had it pushed the plot forward is the guy, you know, eventually steals the flare gun, says you have to let me out of here. I can't handle this. I need to get out. Just let me go. I you know, he's he's basically like, just let me go. You guys stay here and hide. I'm fine. I just have to get out of here. They won't let him go cuz they think it's going to give away their position and um there's a struggle between the two men and then uh it so it causes everybody to have to kind of scramble out of the place and then it's it's essentially becomes each for their own and uh, sure so i liked i actually liked that whole part of the movie the thing about the third act i didn't like is that there's zero suspense that's going to work in this movie because they have a wraparound story that ruins the yeah how everything ends up so i wish they i really wish they wouldn't have done that they open the film showing that you know um brooke adams character 
which I can't even remember what her name is in the movie, but um, survives. Rose. She's found. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so therefore, like any suspense after everybody else is gone just doesn't work because we already know she's going to make it out. But You mentioned about um, one of the problems with, you know, horror films with daylight shooting like this. You mentioned Swamp Thing before. And I agree, it, it does in many movies really kind of make it suffer. There's a number of horror films that do take place during the day. Um, but if you think about wilderness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or more or less kind of wilderness. I think like the Friday the 13th movies, which always take place at like a summer camp, right? Um, most of that shit is happening at night. Yeah. And I, there are examples of during the day, but what is it about this and swamp thing and a handful of others where the the daylight thing just kind of breaks it rather than you know because there's, there's a number of movies where it works you can yeah. do it during the day i mean the hills have eyes have scary ass shit during the day yeah um what is it about my know? guess with these with those two specific examples would be that there are creature effects involved like there's makeup effects and costuming mm-hmm. and those things as we know from, you know, the, the way that, as we know from having made films, but also, you know, watching kind of the way films are made, a lot of times makeup effects and, and creature suits and, you know, fit practical effects are aided by the ability to, like, light and control the lighting and, um, you know, hide certain defects behind shadow and, and such and give it kind of like, that is the, you know, final stage of the art of putting the effect together is how you shoot it with the camera. When you're shooting in daylight, you don't really get those um, liberties. You Everything is going to be seen, every nook and cranny of everything, because daylight is daylight. And you don't really, unless you're going to cart you know, a whole bunch of stuff out there to try and build some shadow out, out of natural sunlight and whatever, um, which doesn't really work in a super low-budget run-and-gun, run, you know, running-through-the-swamp kind of horror film. Yeah, I think it just, that I think that's the difference. I think it can totally work when you're dealing with human characters. There could be horror in the daytime. It, it certainly can, there can be, you know, horrifying and scary situations that take place not at night. But when you have monsters and creature effects, and especially when, you know, we're in a pre-CGI era, so they're not fixing these things in post, and you are, you know, dealing with, cre- you know, makeup and creature effects with, with, you know, not having that nuanced control of lighting, and the way, you know, in camera, the way you would in a studio or, a, you know, a different situation. I, I think that's the main thing. And it really does hurt. <laughs> you know, it's no longer scary. These these kind of, these Nazi zombies in this movie were um, were creepy as kind of like shadow, shadowy figures, uh, you know, coming out of the wrecked boat. And like the way they're first seen, they're, they're really effective. And then the second you see them kind of run around in the swamps, even underwater it works. But it's the that daylight stuff that doesn't work. Yeah, one of the problems I I think with this and Swamp Thing, you know, shooting in a jungle, you'd think that's a beautiful place to shoot. Yeah, but if the lighting sucks, yeah, like a lot of bright about. lights, a lot of shadow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, a lot of bright lights peeking through foliage, mm-hmm. so you get these bleached out areas, and everything else is super dark. And so your your makeup effects, the subtle movements of some of these you know creatures and stuff, you, you either can't see or it's bleached out or. So, you know, it's not balanced well. And that that's an important thing. I think we kind of take that for granted sometimes. Yep. That lighting and music and sound are really important in in selling what you're seeing. Yeah, um, in, the, in the classic, like, silver screen era, they, they 
would have shot something like or maybe maybe would have shot something like this in what they call day for night it only works really on black and white film but where they shoot something during the day and then you know tint it down or underexpose it a little bit to make it seem like it's nighttime like it was never really convincing yeah. but at least it would get like the some of the shadows back and you could actually play with it a little bit yeah it always kind of gave like a late dusk appearance yeah. <laughs> never yeah. really truly night like you could always see a little too far for it to be truly nighttime um but yeah this one like you, you you're not seeing much of them anyway when you are seeing them the lighting's terrible and yeah, overall, even the the stuff with uh, you know Peter Cushing in this, I wanted to like it more than I did because you know it's like ah, oh, it's Peter Cushing. I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the oh, doubt. Yeah. This guy's great, but yeah. yeah, it's that brief moment of exposition, and that's about it. That's about all the dialogue he gets. Like, the then he's hunted part, down yeah. in the swamp. He gets his own chase through the swamp in the daytime. See, so yeah, yeah, um, and this is you know coincidentally the same year that star wars came out so it's about you know the time that he's going to like become a household name again and maybe the first time he becomes a household name in the u.s um and maybe not so because i know hammer film you know hammer horror mm -hmm. films did get pretty big in the u.s as well but you know same year as star wars he's doing shockwaves so the guy is just a hard-working actor he was taking you know anything he could get and well, but like you said, this one was, you know, directed by somebody who'd won an Academy Award, so... It was, and I'm fairly certain that's how he got to get these guys, but you never know. Like, uh, obviously he was influenced by their work, because you can... I, I, I just feel like this has such a strong link to kind of, like, the classic era of horror movies, so putting Carradine and Cushing in it were was kind of a... It, I don't know if this is their only pairing. I, I, actually, it's not their only pairing. I know that they're in, like, two or three other things together, but it is an interesting... Um, dracula van helsing pairing that you you've never seen them actually put those characters together but <laughs> um true so. that's a good point yeah, yeah. but yeah i well, think they both do well with what they're given they're not given much and it's probably because it was such a low budget film they couldn't have them as long as they wanted some but yeah and i mean it, it this reminds me of uh, you know some other movies where it probably looked really good and, and edgy and stuff on paper because you've got like you said this director who's this up and coming kind of you know uh, you know kid who made this this I don't want to say kid but individual who who made this Academy Award winning college film essentially and mm -hmm. he goes on to make this and then Return to the Living Dead Part Two. <laughs> meatballs 2 and then yeah. a bunch of episodes like 21 jump street and the old freddy's nightmares yeah he, he did show. a lot of stuff in the you know kind of b horror realm for sure yeah and i mean he's, he's still alive he's in his mid 70s mm -hmm. um then return to living dead 2 is pretty fun i will admit it is yeah um it's a but it's a lot better movie than this one is it, it, <laughs> even it though is. i don't i don't i didn't dislike this one necessarily but yeah it it works yeah but because it's so, got, like I said, it's got that, the, it's got a lot of great humor in it, and that's missing from this. I feel like if you put a strong, humorous tone here, you could have saved a lot of this movie, but it's, mm -hmm. I suppose it would have ruined the moments that were genuinely creepy, but those were unfortunately too few and far between. I think it opened well, like the whole first part of the movie's good, and I think it ended well. I think we're going to come back to the, the stumbling point is the middle of it's just hard to get through. Mm. yeah well and 
I mean, so this is this isn't like you said the first Nazi zombie movie. There were a handful of ones before, and there's been yeah. a number since. It um, seems like there were a couple, and then, you know, Ken Wiederhorn saw that those couple and were influenced. Like, hey, I'd like to make something like that and kind of pay homage to those films. And then this film inspired you know a new run of those all the way up to just this last uh what was it last year well the film over overlord is it overlord, overlord yeah which was yeah the most recent one that i know of nazi zombie film yeah and i not to turn it into review of that i wasn't really impressed with it yeah it, it I, didn't do anything for me i actually thought dead snow was a lot better yeah, I was trying to think if I've ever seen any other of these movies, and I haven't seen this, the real classic ones. And Shockwaves was the first viewing. I've heard of Dead Snow, but not seen it. I've heard of Overlord, but not seen it. And I'm trying to think, like, what else is out there that, you know, um, features uh, Nazi zombies. But Frankenstein's Army, which came out in, like, 2013. There were a bunch oh, in 2013. Right. Um, Again, there's... something I'm aware of, but haven't actually seen yeah there's one from like 2008 called outpost um apparently there's a movie from 2003 that's literally called operation nazi zombies hmm, i bet that's one good one so you know but i <laughs> yeah. mean some of the other ones i've heard of but didn't know they involved nazis like oasis of the zombies right um, yeah I, i've heard of before but yeah i hadn't uh uh i've never seen it it's also called the abyss of the living dead yeah, that's an Italian one, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, French. Oh, is it? Okay. It's a French one, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fun that this is kind of a little sub-genre of your, of your zombie movies. You've got, you've got different kinds of zombie movies, but no matter what kind, whether they're flesh-eating ghouls or whether they're um, just, you know, programmed to kill or soulless, whatever. Yeah. N- Nazis. They'll always find a way to bring it. Is this like the horror movie Godwin's Rule? Given <laughs> enough time, you will have a Nazi zombie movie. Yeah, it might be. Like you let the genre go far enough, and it's gonna end up in, you know, something Nazis and Nazi werewolf movie, Nazi zombie movie. Nazi werewolves is not used nearly enough. <laughs> There's a couple out there. <laughs> There's an awesome episode of Creep Show on Shudder that deals with Nazi werewolves, and oh, it's yeah. awesome. It's oh, very so cool. Also, the cool thing out. about it is that the uh, werewolves portrayed in it kind of touch on all the different styles of werewolf. Yeah. You've got the more Lon Chaney style, you've got the howling style, and kind of things in between, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, well, and we yeah. touched on it real briefly earlier, but are the Nazis super soldiers whatever they are undead soldiers in this movie are they really zombies at all i mean i guess if you just go with the general like they're mindless undead creatures then they i guess they fit i guess they're just as much zombies as like the zombies in white zombie are um Mm -hmm. or you know yeah i mean i would say so they're they're essentially not naturally alive you know they've, they've been around they're they're rotting bodies that are kept in stasis essentially Mm -hmm. and they're programmed to serve a master and do essentially their bidding you know it's not specifically worded that way but essentially they are following orders that are given to them and they have no control over it yeah you know it's i would say yeah it's the same as white zombie or you know i walk with a zombie or any of the, the those kind of 
styles. Yeah. I mean, they it's it's brain control super soldiers. You know, it's about right. it's about the same. Um, you know they kind of reminded me of, although they didn't speak, um, which a lot of them didn't speak in this movie either. But like, they kind of reminded me of the vampires from Omega Man, which we were talking about. I know not too long ago, but yeah, maybe it's just the sunglasses. But <laughs> yeah, both kind of the, wearing the goggles. Yep. Um, yeah, it it felt. I don't know. I wasn't a big fan of the design of the creatures in this. It just, it felt pretty, pretty basic. <laughs> pretty cheap. Pretty cheap. <laughs> like uh, let's just let's give them like slightly, um, you know, sl- slightly distended faces because they've been in the water for a little while. I'm like you know what these things would look like. Um, and then yeah. It's a bit water affected, yeah. Yeah, they they'd be they'd be just bloated, falling apart. Oh yeah, we'll give them these like frog eye glasses, and that's a that's it. And they walk all stiff yeah. in their uniforms. It, it, it was just... a really basic monster design. Um, the they probably did more makeup in the original Night of the Living Dead than they did in this thing. Like they're not real um, zombied up, you know. Like, right, right, right. So. Yeah, and we did. We also mentioned the Romero zombies and kind of everything. It is it's rare, and they're out there, obviously, but it's rare to see a post Night of the Living Dead zombie film that uses this pre Romero type of zombie. So he That's really true. kind of redefined what we uh, think uh, of as a zombie, a non non flesh eating ghoul zombie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking this. I mean, one obvious Serp- one is Serpent and the Rainbow. Serpent and the Rainbow, yeah. which is, I mean, that's so, in a way, kind that's, of meta. I mean, it's... And that's it, barely a zombie movie, really. It's about, you know... It's it's about voodoo, you yeah. know, characterized voodoo practices, but, yeah, it, it but that's a part of it. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I I'm trying think to think of, of what there would be. I mean, even the, like, humorous, uh, like, Return of the Living Dead and stuff, it's still very much the Romero kind of zombies, so they add speech and they add, you know, these other things, but they're still very much the rotten ghouls, flesh-eating ghouls, brain-eating in that case, but... Um, well, and even in, uh, you know, Lucio Fulci's zombie, they bring in the whole Caribbean theme to it, and but it's still, yeah. they're still flesh-eating ghouls, yeah. rotting yeah. corpses, they're not brain control. So there's been attempts to rectify both, but it doesn't always work. Right. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't work, but it, this one just—I don't know what the hell this one was doing. If you, I don't know. Um, do you want to do grades? Yeah, I was just going to ask if you had anything else to say about it because I pretty much worked yeah. through all of my notes here. But yeah, me too. And and that's kind of a shame because I had high hopes for this one. Um, you know, well, yeah. Which, you see the cast list and like the you see the cast list. What it's about? Even, it sounds great. The taglines. I and I commented on this when we decided <laughs> on the movie. The taglines on the poster, once they were almost human, beneath the living, beyond the dead, from the depths of hell's ocean, shockwaves, the deep end of horror, and I commented, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> every one of those lines is better than the title it's of this movie. It's a better movie. title, yeah. You know, deep end of horror would be better. Almost human, beneath the living, beyond the dead, depths of hell's oceans, hell's ocean, whatever. All hell's of those are better titles. Not a bad one for this hell's movie. Hell's ocean would have worked. Um... The fact that that should have been foreshadowing that this is, you know, hey, the title and poster is, is misguided, so is the movie. Yeah. Um, I, it's it's unfortunate. I think it's a it's a fun concept, a yeah. fun little silly horror concept, but it just does not 
work. It doesn't. I almost it, really yeah, wish this movie would have taken place all in its first act where it was at sea, you know, with the ghost ship and the, I don't know. That to me seems like just such, a, it seems like a more, a cooler movie. I'm sure on, you know, it's a budgetary thing, but. You know what though? Lucio Fulci's zombie has a has an aquatic zombie scene yeah. where the zombie yeah. fights a fights shark. A shark man. And this is yeah. an entire movie of Nazi aquatic Nazi zombies and nothing. Yeah. Nothing. No, no shark fights at all. No shark fights and it just never even approaches anything <laughs> that cool. So, yeah. I guess if I had to give this one a grade, I mean, the characters are pretty forgettable. It's a blink and miss it cameo essentially for John Carradine and Peter Cushing, not literally, but pretty close. Um and it almost feels like they're in there just to sell a, a rather clever concept that doesn't that they just didn't properly handle. Yeah. I, I got to give this one like a D plus. There there weren't as many things that I liked about it. There were a few cool shots, like I mentioned before the the ghost ship first appearing, and there's a couple of good suspenseful scenes. But as a whole, it just it it wasn't uh, it wasn't a win for me. Yeah, I I'm not gonna be too much more positive than than you are because yeah i i certainly have my gripes with the film mainly the the daytime shooting second act chase scenes just didn't work for me um overall i thought it was fine like it, it's relatively short and it you know it passes the time enough that um you're not gonna like be you know screaming for your money back even though it's free on tubi but um yeah i'm digging into the like details or like if you take you even start to like dig into the details of what this is really about or like think about the plot it falls apart in two seconds there's nothing there like the strings don't even like attach <laughs> um, right but it does have some cool moments of, of feeling like a classical zombie film from the you know silver screen era of horror um it's cool that they did something with like these pre-romero type zombies um I feel like the premise is great, and you meant exactly like you mentioned. It's got like this great B movie premise, but it fails to really deliver on any of it. It's, I guess, my main thing is like it's enjoyable, but it's not memorable. I feel like a, two years from now, I'm not going to be able to remember much about this film. <laughs> um, so, in my book, I think that makes it like a, a C. I guess, like, I enjoyed it enough, but it's. Yeah, it's one of those that might be worth a watch if you're into cult movies, but it's probably not one that, you know, and I hate to say this being that they're, you know, pushing a Blu-ray release of this right now, but it's probably not one that's worth picking up on Blu-ray. Unless you've seen it already and you're a big fan, then by all means, but for me, no thanks. I don't know, maybe they're going to do something with the, the, the Blu-ray transfer and they're going to color correct a bunch of shit. It's going to look like yeah, a totally different movie. But you're still going to have that whole I think it's second act. That whole second act of people just running through the goddamn woods going, What? Huh? Rose? Hello? You know, Walter. Walter. Oh, my God. Oh, I didn't even couple. talk about Walter, but... Yeah, yeah. The less said, the better about Walter. <laughs> but... Well, we'd like to know everybody's opinion, though. If you sat through Shockwaves and now you've heard our discussion, what are your thoughts on it? Do you think our grades are too harsh, spot on, or are we giving it more credit than it deserves? And Probably do you have a in my case. but or do, <laughs> or do you have a favorite Nazi zombie um, 
subgenre film. We mentioned a couple. Uh, do you want to suggest any others? We'd love to hear from you. You can send us an email at videojunkyardpodcast at gmail.com. Send us a tweet at videojunkpod or find us on Facebook at the Video Junkyard Podcast Facebook group or our main page. With any of your questions, comments, criticisms, or witticisms, uh, we'd love to hear what you have to say. And uh, coming up on the Video Junkyard Podcast, we are going to continue our October month of horror films with the uh, another solid cult classic here that's going to be a first watch for me. We're going to be checking out Basket Case next week. So yes, 1982. Join us for that one. I know that's a well-loved um, cult film that's been on my wall of shame for many years. So We're going to check that one off next week. want to thank you all for checking out the Video Junkyard podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and please tell your friends and share around. Uh, treat it like a good COVID. And pass it to everybody. <laughs> so, until then, I'm Joe Peterson. And I'm Eric O'Branson. Have a good evening. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go. Stay on the road. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash video junkyard podcast on Twitter at video junk pod and on Instagram as video junkyard podcast all one word I want to thank you again for listening and keep digging who knows what treasures you'll find in the video junkyard. Hello fellow time travelers, I'm Tony Witt with the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the podcast in which we undertake the insert adjective here task of discussing in story order all of the Doctor Who novelizations. I'm joined by... Dalton Hughes. And by... Alison Fitzsafrey. And we record our episodes twice a month. You're listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. Enjoy your travels. <laughs>